Oh my stars, I am so thrilled you're here. My name is Kai Graham and welcome to another episode in my podcast, The Parent and Teen Toolbox, which is designed to equip parents and teenagers with the tools for navigating adolescence. I've been in the trenches of parenting and now I'm on a mission to help parents support their teenagers so that together we can build a mentally healthier and happier generation of young people. Each week you will receive learnings and takeaways that will help you tackle the challenges and the oh shit moments that are often associated with parenting tweens and teens. I have your back and I'm glad you're here. Guys, I am so excited about today's episode. This wonderful Dr. Debbie Silber is is going to be chatting to us about post-betrayal transformation. Um, She is founder of the Post-Betrayal Transformation Institute. And I guess for most of us, we have been sort of uh, tarred tarred by a bit of this brush. I was sort of going back over my own timeline and, yeah, I I can sort of see the red flags um, from from my own history. But let me just introduce you to Debbie. She is a holistic psychologist. She is a health mindset and personal development speaker, an author and mentor who helps people basically heal from post-betrayal syndrome. Debbie is an Amazon best-selling author, and she has contributed to the Dr. Oz Show, Fox, CBS, the Huffington Post, Forbes, Psychology Today, Health Shape, WebMD and Glamour, and that's just to name but a few. Her recent study on how we experience betrayal detailed what holds us back, what helps us heal, and what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive. And this study has had three groundbreaking discoveries that I know we're going to have a listen to listen about today. Her proven process birthed from those discoveries has helped thousands of people fully heal from betrayal, enabling them to thrive in their relationships in work, health and life. Dr. Debbie, I am so thrilled you're here. Thank you for spending some time with us. Oh, thank you. Looking forward to our conversation. Yeah. Can I let's just sort of wade in because I know you've got a really a, an interesting story. Um, so what happened in your own life to bring you to this point of creating this PBT Institute? Can you share a bit about that? Because it is hugely relevant. Yeah. You know, I don't think anybody says, you know, I think I want to study the topic of betrayal. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. You study it because you have to. And this is actually my 30th year in business. And as life would morph and change, so would business. So I started in health and then mindset and then personal development. And then I had a really painful betrayal from my family. Uh, Thought I did everything I needed to do to heal from that. And apparently there was more work to do. A few years later, it happened again. This time it was my husband. Uh, So anybody who's been through this, you're you're blindsided, you're devastated, you're shocked. Life as you've known it will never be the same. I got him out of the house and I, I looked at the two experiences and I thought, okay, what's similar here? Of course yeah. me, but what else is similar? And I realized I never had boundaries in place. Uh, I, I never took my own needs seriously. And I, I really made a decision that something dramatic has to, tr- has to happen and something drastic has to change. So here I was four kids, six dogs. I was 50, a thriving business. And I'm like, I'm going back for a PhD. 
I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I didn't know how I was going to manage the time, but I, I just felt so pulled to this program. And it was in transpersonal psychology, the, the psychology of transformation and okay. human potential, because I was changing so much. I didn't quite understand it. He was too on his own, wasn't ready to look at that. And then it was time to do a study. So I studied betrayal. What holds us back? What helps us heal? And what happens to us physically, mentally, and emotionally when the people closest to us lie, cheat, and deceive? And as you mentioned, that study led to three groundbreaking discoveries, which changed my health, my business, my family, my life. Can you share a bit about that? Because I mean, I was sort of looking, I I have had, and and maybe we'll talk a little bit later about micro betrayals. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, because you mentioned that, I think in your TEDx talk, maybe, or actually, no, was it actually, I think it was in in the follow up from your quiz that I took as well. So um, I I, I sort of, you know, I've been sort of digging deep. So Aside from the micro betrayals, I have had one big one um, in my life, and it's from it's been from family members. And I didn't even realize there was a process that I could go through. So I sort of, you know, sort of collectively that I know there's two sides to every coin, but my husband and I sort of dusted ourselves down and basically said, well, that was shit and and sort of just kept on trying to move forward. But I, I'm really fascinated. I, I'm sure there will have been bits that I missed and I haven't done. So what what, what were the findings from yeah. that can help me? And sure. And, and first of all, here's the thing. That's what we we often do. We just yeah. do the best we can without, you know, who who knew that any of this information was available to us. I didn't know before this, before the study myself. And, you know, the, the idea is, and I'll share it after how we can spot an unhealed betrayal. It shows up in every area of life in health and work and relationships. But to answer your question, at first I was studying betrayal and post-traumatic growth. And for those who aren't familiar, post-traumatic growth is if you imagine an upside of trauma, how your trauma, regardless, death of a loved one, disease, natural disaster, whatever it is, leaves you with a new awareness, perspective, insight you didn't have. Maybe you lose someone you love and you realize life is short, you know, that sort of thing. Totally. But I had been through death of a loved one. I'd actually been through disease. I was in the ICU for 11 days, miracle on my life story for another day. But betrayal felt so different for me. I didn't want to assume. So I asked all my, that it was the same for everybody. So I, I asked all my study participants, if you've been through other traumas besides betrayal, is it different for you? Hands down unanimously. They said, oh my gosh, it's so different. Here's why. Because it feels so intentional, we take it so personally. So the entire self get shattered and has oh. to be rebuilt, right? Rejection, abandonment, belonging, confidence, worthiness, trust, all of that. It's, it was, and yeah, it's the intent. Yes. That's it. So, so that was, I'm, I'm watching your face, right? It's yeah. that's, that's the whole thing, right? And that's what makes it so different. So that type of healing, it's like, yes, it was post-traumatic growth, but it was post-traumatic growth plus rebuilding the self. So I coined a new term, post-betrayal transformation. That's the complete and total rebuild of your life and the self after an experience with betrayal. Because think about it. Let's say you lose someone you love. You grieve, you're sad, you mourn the loss. You don't necessarily take it personally. Betrayal's personal. Oh boy. Yes. Yes. So that was such a huge distinction. And I just want to say, it's not to say 
which trauma is better or worse. They all stink. But what I'm saying is this is what differentiates betrayal from other types of trauma. So that was the first discovery. Yeah. The second one was that there's actually this collection of symptoms, physical, mental, and emotional, so common to betrayal. It's known as post-betrayal syndrome. Now, by this point, we must have over 40,000 people who've taken the post-betrayal syndrome quiz. You mentioned it on our site to see to what extent people are struggling. A few things about that quiz. One is we've all heard time heals all wounds. Mm -hmm. Well, I have the proof when it comes to betrayal, that's not true. Yeah. Because there's a question that says, is there anything else you'd like to share? And people write things like, my betrayal happened 35 years ago. I'm unwilling to trust again. My betrayal happened 15 years ago. Feels like it happened yesterday. So we know betrayal is a very different experience that needs a very specific protocol to fully heal. And when I say fully heal, I mean that that place, that whole healed state of post-betrayal transformation. Every couple of months, I pull the stats from the quiz to see where people land. Would you like me to share some? Please do. Yeah, yeah. Far away. Okay. So, you know, we've had men, women, you know, every age represented just about every country. So imagine, you know, 40,000 people or so. Here are the recent statistics out of that amount. 78% constantly revisit their experience. 81% feel a loss of personal power. 80% are hypervigilant. 94% deal with painful triggers. Those triggers can take you right down. These are the most common physical symptoms. 71% have low energy. 68% have sleep issues. 63% have extreme fatigue. So you can sleep a whole night. You wake up, you're exhausted. That's how you know your adrenals have tanked. 47% have weight changes. So maybe in the beginning, you can't hold food down. Later on, you're using food for comfort. Yeah. 45% have digestive issues. That's anything from Crohn's, IBS, diverticulitis, constipation, diarrhea, you name it. So the gut is completely thrown off. The most common mental symptoms, 78% are overwhelmed. 70% are walking around in a state of disbelief. 68% are unable to focus. 64% are in shock. 62% are unable to concentrate. So imagine you can't concentrate. You have a gut issue. You're exhausted. And here you are. You're supposed to work or raise your kids or whatever else you're supposed to be doing. That's not even the emotional ones. Emotionally, 88% experience extreme sadness. 83% are very angry. 82% feel hurt. 80% have anxiety. 79% are stressed. Here's why I wrote the book, Trust Again. Ready? 84% have an inability to trust. 67% prevent themselves from forming deep relationships because they're afraid of being hurt again. 82% find it hard to move forward. 90% want to move forward, but they don't know how. And that's why I opened the PPT Institute. That is just, I mean, that's bonkers, isn't it? It, it, the numbers are staggering. It's not like 20%, 30%. I mean, we're talking 60, 70, 80, even up to 90s for some of these stats. It's crazy. So what, yeah, so that, that's, that's the sort of the symptoms that are sort of coming out of it. Is that correct? And and, and how our worlds have been rocked because of it. Sure. And people attribute it because here's the thing, this isn't necessarily from a betrayal that just happened. These are symptoms from a betrayal that could have happened decades ago. And when I get to the third discovery, you'll see how it can be from 
Absolutely from decades ago. And that's the thing. So people then, because maybe a betrayal happened so long ago, they, they attribute these symptoms, symptoms to, well, it's aging. Well, it's just stress. No, it's not. It's your unhealed betrayal. That, that's what I was going to say is how, how can we, I mean, cause I, I did that. I, I did the, the check and not being funny. I, I, I mean, I was looking at all this and I was going, this can't be betrayal. I mean, but yep, 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 yep. This is me. This is me. This is me. And I just thought, but I thought I got over that, but in the same breath, and what was the figure that you were saying? 78% of these people revisit. Oh, you bet. I mean, my betrayal happened. I think it must have been 20 years ago. And still, still, I sit back and go over and just sort of think. And I think it is. And I can't even remember what the figure was for sad. 88% for sadness. Oh, I am one of those people, Debbie, because it's just, mm-hmm. I, you look back and you think, even after all these decades, how different life could have been. And I think that's the thing. And, and, one of your, um, I think one of the questions in the quiz said something along the lines of, you know, what other symptoms or what other sort of impact. And I think I, I put grief down because it was the grief of not only the relationship that was, I mean, damaged sort of, you know, mm-hmm. beyond, yeah, beyond repair, but it was also sort of the way that, you know, my life, I, I had envisaged a future and it, it, it had to be spun on a sixpence. Absolutely. Because think about it. You know, the reason why it's so profound, this was the person, these were the people who gave you a sense of safety and security. So when this is the person, these are the people to shatter that very sense of uh, sense of safety and security. It's traumatizing. And think about it. You're grieving the loss of the relationship. You're grieving even the loss of uh, the expectations that you had. You didn't sign up to ha- come from a crazy family or whatever they did, right? You know, so it's it. There's so much loss here, and this rocks the very foundation. You know, trust is sacred. Yeah, and and when that foundation is shattered, you know, people ask me all the time, "Can trust be repaired?" And I say, "No." Can it be rebuilt? Yes, but it's a it's a very intense and intentional process. So what's the difference? Yeah. So imagine here, imagine trust is like a brick wall, right? The way it works is every opportunity someone has to show that they're trustworthy represents one brick in that brick wall. And that's why it takes time. The only way I know of a brick wall being built is brick by brick by brick, right? So every opportunity, one brick in the brick wall. Now imagine one earth shattering moment or series of moments, and the entire brick wall can come tumbling down. Now, the person whose trust was shattered can look at the rubble of bricks and say, I don't have the least bit of interest in watching that thing get rebuilt. That's totally fine. However, if they are willing, and that's their job if they choose, if they are willing to watch that brick wall be rebuilt, the person who shattered it has to be a really good bricklayer. And it goes <laughs> it goes up the same way it went up the first time. Every opportunity, yeah. they have to show that they're trustworthy, one brick in that brick wall. And what I see so often is the damage has been caused, right? Like imagine there's this rubble of bricks and the person whose trust was shattered is so hurt, can't stand the pain, can't stand the chaos that this has created the other person doesn't really have much of an intention to build the brick wall. And the person whose trust has been shattered is like, oh, fine, I'll build it. Oh. No. And that's why they never feel safe. We actually teach a four-part 
trust rebuilding process because it 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 never works that way. And what I also find is we are so afraid of the complete and utter death and destruction of the old, you know, but that's the only thing that can birth the new. And rebuilding is always a choice, whether you rebuild yourself and move on. And that's what I did with my family. It, it simply wasn't an option to rebuild with them. And, or if the situation lends itself, if you're willing, if you want to, you rebuild something entirely new. I'm talking from the ground up new with the person who hurt you. And so that's what I did with my husband as two completely different people. Uh, not long ago, we married each other again. New rings, Whoa. new vows, new dress, and our four kids is our bridal party. And never in a billion years would I have done anything like that if I wasn't totally different. And for sure, if he wasn't totally different. But that's what betrayal creates, an absolute death and destruction of the old. Yeah. And it will show you, it, betrayal will reveal who someone truly is, or it will wake them up to who they temporarily became. Oh, okay. Right. So, because I think the thing is, is that the the way that we were, betray, were betrayed, I can't, I mean, it, we were so blindsided that we couldn't sort of um, envisage how we would have done something differently if we had known that it was coming. And yeah. so, it, and, and I think, and that's why you, when you were sort of saying that the intent, so it's, it's, it, it, <laughs> I, I want to use the word blame, but I don't think it's healthy to say that. But surely, I, I, I guess, are we allowed to say that, you know, if we feel sort of betrayed, that it, it is the other person to blame? Or do we have to look inward and go, come on, actually, you know, we need to do a bit of reflection here? Yeah, you, you know, it's a great question because I, I see so many people. Actually, we have a lot of people coming into the PBT, Post-Betrayal Transformation, the PBT Institute with therapy trauma. And what happens is if that therapist isn't highly skilled in helping someone move through betrayal, it does way more harm than good. Yeah. And what we see very often is the, the therapist, well-meaning, is, is so busy having, well, it can happen in a few ways, one way is where the therapist is so busy making sure that the betrayed person takes full and complete responsibility to the point of blame, right? Yeah. And doesn't recognize how completely destructive yeah. the act of betrayal was. So it, it to answer your question, it takes two things. It takes, of course, you want to see how you showed up and what maybe you didn't see, what you didn't learn, what you didn't... Uh, what you just didn't have in your awareness. Like for me, it's, it was such a powerful opportunity because I realized I never had appropriate boundaries in, in place. Yeah. I didn't take my needs seriously. Now, does that mean it was my fault? No, no. Everybody is responsible for their own behaviors. Yeah. You know how we interpreted it is up to us, but everybody is completely responsible for their own behavior. And so we see this all the time where someone is blamed for it and like, here's, this is something we see a lot. Let's say that therapist, again, isn't highly skilled. And let's say, I'll just take a, an example. We see a lot. Let's say it's a narcissistic husband and, uh, and the wife, and she's, she, he has an affair and he, she's able to drag him to couples counseling, right? And now this therapist isn't highly skilled and how to move someone through betrayal. Now the narcissist is very uh, charismatic, Right. Yeah. And very charming. And may even have the crocodile tears. Right. So then the therapist looks at the betrayed person and says, well, you know, if you just communicated better, 
you know, or something like that. It is so mind blowing to yeah. not understand the devastation. Now, here's the beauty of it. You can heal from all of it. I mean, I'm living proof. So are people within the Institute. So are our certified coaches and practitioners, but it takes a very certain protocol. And that actually leads to the third discovery, which I'm happy to share if that would help. I, I was on my list to ask. <laughs> okay. So the third, this for me, this was the most exciting. And what we learned was while we can stay stuck for years, decades, right? You said 20 years or a lifetime, if we're going to fully heal and by fully heal, I mean, symptoms of post-betrayal syndrome to that healthy, confident, whole, complete uh, state of post-betrayal transformation, we're going to go through five now proven predictable stages. And what's even more exciting about that is now we know what happens physically, mentally, emotionally at every one of those stages. And we know what it takes to move from one stage to the next. Why is that great? Because healing is now entirely predictable. If someone is willing to move through the stages, they will predictably go from one stage to the next, to the next, to the next. And I'm happy to share the stages if you'd like. I was going to ask, are you, ha- are you happy to do that? Because I, I don't want to nick the whole curriculum from under your nose. But Oh, no, I, not I, at all. I, <laughs> this, is a, this is a taste of, I mean, it's what, it's what I share in Trust Again. It's what we teach within the Institute. It's what our coaches are certified in. Brilliant. I'm giving you an overview. I mean, of okay. course, the, doing the deep work. You know, you can't get that from this. No, you don't just get it from a title, do you? You're not. No, but here are the five stages. So the first was like a setup stage. And I saw this with every study participant, me too. If you can imagine four legs of a table, the four legs being physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. What I saw with everyone was a real heavy lean on the physical and the mental thinking and doing, and not really prioritizing the emotional and the spiritual feeling and being. So that's not to say if you're busy, you will be betrayed. It's just, you know, it was a typical profile we saw. But imagine, two, you know, a table with only two legs, easier for that table to topple over. And that's us. Yeah. Stage two. This is by far the scariest of all of the stages. And this is shock, D-Day, Discovery Day. Like that day you learned about your family betrayal, right? I can feel it. Something's not healed then, is it? (laughs) That's it. You're going to move through the stages with me. And it's the shock. It's that feeling of being blindsided. And it's the breakdown of the body, the mind, and the worldview. So right here, you've ignited the stress response. You're headed for every single stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. Your mind is in a complete state of chaos and overwhelm. You cannot wrap your mind around what you just learned. This makes no sense. And your worldview has been shattered, right? Your mental model, the rules that prevent chaos and govern you. Trust this person. Don't go there. This is how life works. These are the rules. And in a moment or a series of moments, that's all been shattered. The bottom has bottomed out and yeah. a new bottom hasn't been formed yet. And I'm, and I'm watching you relive your experience right before I'm, my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm heavy. Bre- I'm box breathing because I can, I can feel it. It's, it's as if it was yesterday. And yeah, it, and, yeah. And yeah, well, and then here's what happens. If the bottom were to bottom out on you though, what would you do? You would grab hold of anything you could to stay safe and stay alive. That's stage three survival instincts emerge it's the most practical out of all of the stages. If you can't help me, get out of my way. How do I survive this experience? Where do I go? Who can I trust? How do I feed my kids? But here's the trap. Once you've figured out how to survive, 
because it feels so much better than the shock and trauma of where you just came from, you think it's good. And because we have no idea there's a stage four and stage five, transformation doesn't even begin until stage four. But because we don't know there's a stage four and stage five that even exists, we figure, well, I better, you know, make plant some roots here. And here's where I stay. And four things happen. The first thing is you start getting small self benefits. You get your story. You get to be right. You get someone to blame. You get it. It's so it's so fun watching your face go. Through. <laughs> you get a target for your anger. Yeah. You get sympathy from everybody you tell your story to. Yeah. You don't have to do the hard work of learning to trust again. Can I trust you? Should I trust you? I forget. I'm not trusting anybody. So you plant deeper roots. You're not supposed to be here long, but you don't know that. And then the next thing is because you're here longer than you should. Now the mind starts playing games with you. Like, well, maybe, maybe you deserved it. Maybe you're not all that great. Maybe, and maybe this, maybe that. And so you plant deeper roots. Again, you're not supposed to be here long, but you don't know that. Now, because you're here longer than you should be, like energy attracts like energy. And since these are the thoughts you're thinking, now you're calling situations and circumstances and relationships and people towards you to confirm, yep, this is where you belong. The misery loves company crowd, they come around now too. It gets worse. I'll get you out of here though. <laughs> because, it, because it feels so bad, but we have no idea there's anything better. We, here's where we resign ourselves. We're like, this just stinks, but I, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to manage this. I better find a way to make this work. So right here is where we start using food, drugs, alcohol, work, yeah. TV, I, keeping busy, reckless behavior. Now think about it. So we do that because we're trying to numb, avoid, distract ourselves from what's painful to feel our face. So we do that for a day, a week, a month. Now it's a habit. 10 years, 20 years. Yeah. And I can see someone 20 years out and say, that emotional eating you're doing, that drinking you're doing, that numbing in front of the TV, do you think that has anything to do with your betrayal? And they would look at me like I'm crazy. And they would say, it happened 20 years ago. But do you see, all they did was put themselves in stage three and stay there. Does that make sense? Because that's the comfort blanket because there's no way you want to go back to stage two. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. And so that's why I just wrote from hardened to healed. This is just for stage three. Oh my God. Okay. Because I realized, you know, out of the five stages, like trust again has the five stages totally mapped out, but I found everybody is getting stuck in stage three. So from hardened to healed, it's just for those stuck in stage three. We'll, anyway, we'll put, all your, we'll put all those details in the show notes because this is important. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're willing, uh, to let go of the small self benefits, grieve, mourn the loss, a bunch of things you need to do. You move to stage four. Stage four is finding and adjusting to a new normal. So here's where you acknowledge, I can't undo that experience, but I can control what I do with it. And I always use that example of if you've ever moved to a new house, office, condo, apartment, whatever, your stuff's not all there. It's not quite cozy yet but it's going to be okay. And when you're in this mental space, what happens is you start turning down the stress response. You're not healing just yet, but at least you stopped the massive damage you were causing in stage two and stage three. What's also interesting is if you were to move, you don't take everything with you. You don't take the things that don't represent who you want to be, 
when you're in that new space. And what I found was if your friends weren't there for you, you don't take them with you. Yeah. If they don't rise, they don't come. You have just outgrown them. And people say to me all the time, what the heck? I've had these friends 10, 20, 30 years. Is it me? Yes, it is. You're undergoing a transformation. Yeah. And if they don't rise, you don't bring them. Yeah. So very common people who don't get it. You don't take them with you right here. Anyway, when you're in this space, you're making it cozy. You're making it mentally home. You move into the fifth most beautiful stage. And this is healing, rebirth, and a new worldview. The body starts to heal. Self-love, self-care, eating well, exercise. You didn't have the bandwidth for that earlier. Now you do. Your mind is healing. You're making new rules. You're making new boundaries based on uh, what you see so clearly now. And you have a new worldview, a new mental model based on the entire experience. And the four legs of the table, in the beginning, it was all about the physical and the mental. By this point, we're solidly grounded because we're focused on the emotional and the spiritual too. Those are the five stages. Whoa. That's having to, I, I feel as though I have actually got through to stage five, but the very fact that you, when you were talking about it, I, it's still visceral. So there's still obviously stuff there that needs to mm-hmm. be addressed, surely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Stage five, you wouldn't be feeling that anymore. There's no, a peace, there's a compassion. Mm-hmm. So, right. Okay. So that, that's, that's a learning for me because I've, it looks like I put, I've papered over the cracks and sort of, you know, put a bandaid on, but yeah, because I, I remember when, you know, I was sort of in my stage three is I just lifted up the drawbridge and, and actually even now, Debbie, 20 years later with other things, when the going gets tough, I just become a hermit and, so there's obviously stuff in there that I need to go back and address and have a look at. And it's survival. You know, that's what you're doing. You And that this is how we know there's an unhealed betrayal. Like I said, we see it in health and work in relationships. For example, in relationships, I'll see it in one of two ways. The first way is a repeat betrayal. The faces change, but yeah. it's the same thing. We keep going to friend to friend to friend, boss to boss to boss, partner to partner to partner. And we say, what the heck is it me? Yes, it is. There's a profound opportunity, right? Like for me, it was, I needed better boundaries in place. I needed to take my own needs seriously. Unless and until you learn that profound lesson, you will keep getting opportunities in the form of people to teach you. That does not mean it's your fault. It means it's your opportunity. It means there is this big lesson that you need to get and it keeps getting worse and worse and worse until you get the mother of all betrayals. And you're like, oh, I get it. I will never do this again. I will never tolerate that again, whatever it is. Lesson learned, right? We see it another way where the big wall goes up. We're like, Mm-mm, been there, done that. I'm not letting anybody get close to me or my heart again. And we think it's coming from a place of strength and it's not. It's coming from fear. Totally. We don't want to risk the chance of our uh, heart being broken, of that feeling of being blindsided ever again. So we would rather wall ourselves off from everybody. But what happens is if we can't, uh, if we're not vulnerable, if we don't trust, we're living half a life. You know, that's what relationships are about. So yes, we're keeping out the bad ones, but we're keeping out the good ones too, you know? And we see it in health too. People go to the most well-meaning doctors, coaches, healers, therapists to manage a stress-related symptom, illness, condition, disease. And at the root of it is an unhealed betrayal very often. Or we see it at work all the time too. 
People want to ask for that raise or promotion. They deserve it, but their confidence was shattered. So they don't have the confidence to ask and they're bitter and resentful instead, or they want to be a team player, collaborative partner, but the person they trusted the most proved untrustworthy. How can they trust that boss, that coworker? You see, shows up everywhere. Yeah. I, I, I'm I'm just sort of trying, sitting here trying to process this. This, this is wonderful. But through, throughout all this, the, what you've been saying, I haven't heard the word forgiveness yet. Mm-hmm. Where does where does that fit in? Or I mean, I'm presuming it's a factor. Mm-hmm. Where, where, yeah. where does that fit in? And because and, a lot of you know, a lot of us with bruised hearts are going, ah, uh-uh, no way, I ain't having that. And and I get I guess it's that sort of self preservation, isn't it? I'm not going to be. But so, is forgiveness part of it, or do we? It, it's a huge part of it. And and you know, here's the thing: we have it uh, at a very specific point in one of the stages. If you do it too early, it backfires every single time. And here's the thing: of course, we know forgiveness is just for us. It releases the power that the pain has. Okay. But you know, easier to say, whole other thing to do. But what we, but, but, you know, what we found is when, and, and, and I remember even reading studies when I was doing my own study on forgiveness. And, and I remember it saying, if you feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you forgive, you feel worse. Now, here's the thing. We know forgiveness is for us. So in trust, again, I wrote about this and I changed it a little bit and I, I upped it a notch. And I said, because forgiveness is just in our best interest anyway. Let's change the word forgiveness to reconcile. And whether it's reconcile with a friend, a partner, a family member, whatever, it would sound like this. If you feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel better. If you do not feel safe and valued and you reconcile, you feel worse. Yeah. Right. Because what people do is they're in so much pain. They just want this to go away. So they're like, okay, fine. I forgive you already. But meanwhile, they don't feel good. They don't feel safe. Nothing has really changed. Yeah. And so, you know, there's that saying, if nothing changes, nothing changes. Yeah. And actually, there were three groups in the study who didn't heal. The first group was, this is the group who refused to accept their betrayal. They just were hanging on to their story for dear life. The second was the group that was numbing, avoiding, distracting. You know, they went to the doctor, who put them on mood stabilizer, anti-anxiety medications. They would drink. They would emotionally eat. They didn't heal. It may have made the day a bit easier to get through, not without a price. The third group, this was the group where the betrayer had no consequences, family member, partner, whatever. And whether it was, let's say with a partner, uh, they just did everything they could to overlook it. Now, whether it was out of fear of breaking up a family, financial fear, religious reasons, it was a big one. Um, I saw two things. The first was a further deterioration of the relationship. And the second thing was this group was the most physically ill. Your broken heart can't handle that, you know, but, but that's it. So forgiveness has a very important role in healing when it's done for the right reasons at the right time. I, I think you're, this just makes so much sense because I was sort of, um, though I didn't go and seek support with this hello drawbridge, um, I sort of tried to sort of work all this out in my head. And I think a number of times I was trying to go that you've got to forgive, you've got to forgive. And and a number of times I sort of tried, but it backfired and it, it sort of didn't work. And the mm-hmm. only when I find 
my final point where I was able to forgive was after I had reached that understanding of why the betrayal happened in the first place. Mm. And it, it took a lot of effort to actually put myself in someone else's shoes. And actually, thankfully, I don't think there was terribly much blame on our part, but it was understanding and sort of thinking, ah, okay, here is the intent. And it just sort of made sense of such a shitty situation. Yeah. And, and you know, th- this is the thing about forgiveness. And when you said I was thinking about it, I was using my head, that's the wrong tool for the job. Totally. You know, and that's that's one of the biggest challenges, especially with and I find this with with you know smart, savvy people. We're so used to using our head, yeah. you know, to, to get to get in and out of situations. Yeah. But this is it it has nothing to do with that. You know, think about it. Forgiveness says uh the person did something hateful, harmful, hurtful, and forgive anyway. You know, that makes no sense to the logical rational mind. That's because it's not a logical rational thing. You know, so we have to bypass the logical, rational mind to get to that place of forgiveness. But that's why we found when it's done at a certain place within the five stages, it's it's beautiful. But if it's too soon, it's oh, no, just it, not, it's just not time. No. It, and it just it, it's 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 hard. It's hard work when you're trying to forgive and basically your heart's not in it. Of course. Or, you know, you're just you're so heartbroken or you're so shocked. And, you know, that's not the time. That's not the time. Here's the thing too. You know, I thought forgiveness was this one big ta-da moment. No, it's not. You know, you forgive, you take it back. (laughs) You forgive, you take it back. It's layers and stages. So uh, it's a, it's a process. It's a process for sure. But um, it is, it is such a, uh, one of the biggest needle movers moving you through. I, uh, I, I remember the time when it sort of started all to make sort of sense for me. And I was able, as you sort of said, it, it all started falling into place. And the last stage for me, even though I've clearly got untapped stuff in stage three, but the last bits for me happened really quickly. Mm. And it was obviously the right st- the right time. And I was just sitting in the car park, having just done, done, done a supermarket shop. And suddenly it went bam, bam, bam. And it was, oh, my goodness. That really, and, and everything just sort of seemed, it was just like dominoes going down and it just felt calm after that. Yeah. But yeah, but there's still stuff that's there, I guess, which is. Yeah, it's, uh, it sounds like you've done tremendous work, but it's still there. And that's the thing. And, you know, it, it's there until it's worked through. Yeah. And, and the beauty is when you've, when you've cleared it, when you've done the work, you know, I, I always use this analogy because it just makes so much sense. Imagine if you have like a messy room, you know, take a messy garage. You think it's not vying for your attention, but it is. You don't want to be in that space. It doesn't feel good, right? So you do everything you can to avoid it. You have to go in, you grab it, you need you out of there. But then think about it. There's that one day where you're like, you know what? I'm going in. And you roll up your sleeves, you grab your garbage bags or whatever goes on. And think about what happens. At first, it's a lot worse. Yeah. It's a lot worse, right? Because you're like, you know, I'm going to donate that. I'm going to toss that. I'm going to fix that. And stuff is all over the place. But then you put in your car, the stuff that you're going to donate, that you're going to toss, that you're going to fix. And, and then you put back what's left. You go get some fancy boxes, whatever you do, you put back what's left. Now think about it. Now you stand back with pride. Like, look, look at that. You always want to call your friends over and say, look at my nice garage. You can only feel that sense of of personal power, of empowerment, because you dove in and did the work. 
So all the numbing, avoiding, distracting is, is like the same as you just walking by that room. So it is by diving in and getting that work done. That's where that, that sense of, of power and post-betrayal transformation comes from. I mean, that, that, that is so right because it was um, about five years ago, we had, I mean, we've got sort of an attic that is so cluttered, like you wouldn't believe. And I had the kids over and I sort of said, right, listen, guys, I'm going to pay you, but we're going to, we're going to blitz this. And yes, we did it. We went through all those stages. We sort of, you know, recycled and we sold on eBay and that was great. And yes, there was that pride afterwards, but seriously, Debbie, for months afterwards, even though I still wasn't going up into the attic, I realized what a hold it had had over me because energetically it was just, even though I was never seeing it, it, it had been bleeding me dry and life felt so much lighter having, as you said, rolled up the sleeves and gone through all the horrid bits to, to right. have that calm at the end of it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there's a saying that we say in the community. I've actually, in my 30 years of business, I've been saying this, it applies to every single area of life and it will apply here too. Ready? Hard now, easy later. Yeah. Easy now, hard later. Take your pick. It's going to be one of those two. Yeah. Right. Even think of it like, let's say with weight loss, you know, easy now. They're the cookies and I want them. Hard later, I can't button my pants. Right. Hard now. They're the cookies, but mm, I'll have the apple instead. Easy later. Look at me. You see? And it's the same thing. We don't want to, to dive in and do the work. We don't like being uncomfortable, but it's only with the hard now. Do we get the easy later? I mean, that's what we do within the PBT Institute. Hard, hard now, but giving you the right support, giving you the coaches, giving you the information easy later, get yourself through the stages and to that place of post-betrayal transformation where life begins. And I, and I think that's the thing though, isn't it? Is the fact that whether or not using the, that, the, the garage as a, as, as a metaphor, it, it, it is so much faster and easier when you have support to do it. Because when you're going in on your own, sometimes you haven't a clue what you're doing. Sometimes you don't have the right tools to do it. But if you have got someone who has been there and done it and is supporting you and going, listen, I know I know the way out of here. Follow me or or just allows us to sit there and have snot running down our faces. You know, it's but it it, it makes that that hard sort of that that process much easier really to, to endure, doesn't it? Is having someone by your side to do it. You know what it is? Yeah, absolutely. Cause you, you realize you're not crazy. You're not alone and you can heal from all of it. And there's something about seeing the healing going on around you. You know, we have, uh, I, I have this open Q and a that I do with the community and, um, and people will share and others on the same on the call will say, "Oh my gosh, you sound so different than you sounded, you know, two weeks ago." Mm-hmm. And and so to see someone, we're all there for the same reasons. We're all in a club we never wanted yeah. to be in, but but everybody is just there to lift and inspire and harness these tools and learn from each other. And it's just beautiful, and it accelerates the growth and the healing when you're in partnership like that. Can I just ask? This is a, a podcast for parents and for you know sort of parents and, and teenagers. A lot of what I see um, is if we're using the, the, the biggest betrayal I sort of see is you know sort of extramarital affairs and sort of stuff like that. And um, a, a, you know, for many parents, it's that no, I, I'm 
fine, I'm moving on and blah, 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 blah. But it's the kids who are really struggling, the kids who are um, unable to forgive, let's say, dad or unable yeah. blaming mum for whatever. How do we help, you know, it, as adults? Yeah, it, you know, the, the, you've sort of introduced them to the process. But how do we support our kids so that they are not scarred and jaundiced by betrayal? Yeah. You know, it's so interesting you say that we actually um, have our certification program and we have someone in training now and we have specialties within the community. Uh, So because I just want every member to feel just so served finding coaches within whatever area they need. And and we have one in particular whose specialty will be the children. So it's so it's so exciting. Uh, You know, listen, the way it worked with me was my husband was actually the one to tell our kids and it. For us, uh, it actually was perfect because if anything is going to have you wake up and fall from grace, you know, it's realizing you just lost everything that matters. And there's something about, you know, four teenagers looking at you, you know, you did what to mom, you know, so in our play, in in our uh, situation, it, it worked out beautifully to help him wake up. And for me, you know, they saw, they saw me crash and crash hard but they saw me rise. And I, uh, it was this balance between, I don't want to burden them, but I'm going to be real. You know, I, I think and, that's the thing, isn't it? We try and shelter our kids far too much and, and think that we'll listen, not in front of the children or whatever. They know what's going on. Don't they They, they do. know that something, even if they're not sure what it is, something's amiss and, and life is not right at home. A hundred percent. And, and for, um, you know, it was interesting because, First of all, it built tremendous resilience, uh, resiliency skills for them. And and then, you know, on the other hand, my husband did the work with each of them to regain their trust and rebuild the broken relationship. So it was um, just this complete rebuild. And I'll tell you, now we're seeing the benefit from it. We we are closer than ever. We are having so much fun. There two girlfriends have been added to the mix. And like the eight of us all get together and it it's it we're making up for a lot of lost time so now easy later (laughs) that's it and it was hard and easy we are having so much fun so you know i know i would never tell a parent what what to do i I can only share what i see within our community and what's worked for you know in my situation and it's um it's been a very hard road uh but so transformative, so transformative. And the, even the kids and they're four best friends now because it's like they've been through war together. Yeah, exactly. And I think that, that is it's trusting that they have the support and um, they and the resilience to. But but also um, for, for your or for their dad to be able to step up and take responsibility as well, which is pretty commendable because I know that there are many who are not prepared. Well, and, and if, if he, if he didn't, we certainly never would have remarried and for sure he wouldn't have uh, rebuilt a relationship with the kids. Yeah. So I see many people, there's so much shame or there's just no empathy. So they, they don't uh, make the effort and they, you know, it, it's, it's a great opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to, to, how do you, how do you heal shame? You bring light to it. You bring honor to it. Yeah, you pay it forward. You make sure no one in your, you know, realm ever experiences anything like that again. You you do something good with something bad. And that's all I did. I did something good with something bad, and now my husband is too. You know, and so, um, you know, the 
it's you never know what'll come of it until you experience it. But I know for sure you can heal from all of it. And and I think in order to do all that, you have to stand up and be brave enough to face the messy bits, don't you? And it is messy. It is messy. But I remember going through the the program when I was healing from from it myself. And I just said, I I don't know the first thing of what this looks like, but if I heal, I'm taking everybody with me. (laughs) Oh, how wonderful. Dr. Debbie, thank you so, so much. I've just had a number of light bulb moments there myself (laughs) in in the short time I've been with you. So thank you, because um, it's interesting how betrayal, even though we think we've sort of glossed over it and or worked through it, how it does still um, shape who we are, but sometimes for the positives as well, which is important to remember. Oh, absolutely. And there's a a version of us that shows up that never would have had the opportunity to show up if the experience didn't Rightly happen. so, yes. Right? Yes. So you, you, you've been through the worst of it already. You owe it to yourself to meet that version of you. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, thank you. Thank you so much. And um, I, I really appreciate and, and have loved this this time. So thank you for, for sharing your wisdom with us. And needless to say, all information is in the show notes, will be in the show notes. So thank you so much. All right, then. I'll chat soon. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this entire podcast. If you want to help other parents looking for support, then please share this with your friends and family. Because if you found this podcast useful, then they will too. So please share via your social media. If you have any parenting questions, then please give me a shout through my email, which is toolbox at kygraham.com. And I may even use your question as a future podcast episode. If you want to connect, please come and join me on Instagram. Just search for Kai Graham. Also, could you do me a favour, please? Parenting teenagers can feel very confusing and isolating at times. And I believe that it takes a village to raise a child. And we are here to support one another. I'd love it if you would leave a review on iTunes. And a good one, by the way. (laughs) Because when you do, it lets more parents out there know that there is support for them too. Thank you. And as always, this comes with much love.